0: Welcome to Columbus Perspective, a weekly public affairs presentation of The Fan. I'm Dave James. The Ohio State Fair begins its 12-day run on Wednesday. In a moment, I'll talk with the fair's assistant general manager and PR director. Courtesy of our sister station, WBNS 10 TV, Tracy Townsend covers a number of topics, including the ongoing debate over abortion laws in Ohio, information about the new 988 Suicide and Crisis Hotline that is now operational, and a look at the testimony to the January 6th committee in Washington by a Northeast Ohio man who was arrested after entering the U.S. Capitol. And in about 40 minutes, I'll talk with Doniella Winchell, who heads the Ohio Wine Producers Association. Its 27th Vintage Ohio Wine Festival is coming up on August 5th and 6th in Kirtland. That's in Lake County in Northeast Ohio. First up on Columbus Perspective on the phone with me. Alicia Schultz, she is the assistant general manager and marketing and public relations director for the Ohio State Fair. How are you doing?
1: I'm great. How are you today?
0: Good. Well, it's finally back after a couple of years.
1: We are so excited to be opening the gates and bringing everyone back to celebrate our great state at the Ohio State Fair.
0: Comes up on Wednesday, July 27th and runs through Sunday, August 7th. Was it hard to get things geared back up after being off for a couple of years?
1: You know, there's. it's been really neat to kind of look at a couple of different areas and reimagine those and change things up in, in just some minor ways to make some improvements. But I also constantly joke that I'm dusting off my brain trying to remember, <laughs> you know, what I did at a particular time of year as, as we get ready for this year's event.
0: So for folks who have not been out there now for two or three years, is there anything strikingly different this year when you first come into the place?
1: You know, there are definitely some things that you will notice. Um, One of the things we've done a few years ago is we started planting more trees, and it's amazing to see how much a lot of these trees have really grown in the last few years. So we've got some more shade, and, of course, there's plenty of that down in the beautiful Natural Resources Park, and there's a few great new additions and attractions there an accessible playground, a sculpture, the dunk, um, and a new wildlife center. And then there's um, a nice new bright digital sign at the gates, some more digital signage throughout the grounds, some comfortable feeding areas, more misters. And then for people who are, you know, eagle-eyed and have been visiting for some years, they might notice that the sporting events that always took place over in the Buckeye building have been relocated into our newest building, Kasich Hall and that the area called the Showplace Pavilion, where there would be a lot of single-day events that happen during the fair, that's been one of those areas we reimagined, And, and it's now called the Dog House and is the home to the Marvelous Mutts. It's a group of performing rescue dogs who do agility, dock diving, frisbee tricks, and that kind of thing. So there's definitely some things you'll notice, but of course, all your favorite traditions are still there, too. So seeing Smokey Bear, the Taste of Ohio Cafe, the Butter Cow and Calf, the Giant Slide, the Sky Glider, you know, all of those tried and true favorites are still a centerpiece of the fair.
0: It all starts on Wednesday. Walk us through that first day. What's, what should people take note of?
1: Well, I think, of course, we're opening the gates at 10 a.m., doing a ribbon cutting. We'll have some entertainers. It should be absolutely wonderful. But I think one of the biggest change that um, fairgoers who are visiting this year might not notice from a physical perspective, but from a financial perspective, is that parking is free. And so I think that's a wonderful thing as you're planning and thinking about joining us on opening day, that you know that it'll be a little bit different getting in, hopefully a little faster, because we are no longer um, taking that cash as we park you We'll be able to get everybody in and park free. But then over the course of the day, there do continue to be a lot of different attractions like our free entertainment stages where you can see um, comedians, jugglers, hypnotists, free live music, and go to our livestock shows located throughout the grounds. Um, our livestock show schedule has changed, so people who visited in previous years and perhaps always knew that a particular show they like to come to was always on Wednesdays or always on Mondays, definitely check the livestock show schedule because we've moved all of the breeding animals into the first week of the fair and all of the market animals into the second week of the fair. So it's definitely changed things a little bit as you walk through on opening day or any day.
0: Unless you get tickets in advance that are cheaper, it's 10 bucks to get in, although it's $8 for youth ages 6 to 12 and also for seniors 60 and up. Kids under 5 are free, but you can also get advance sale cheaper, right?
1: That's right. So advance sale tickets do end this Tuesday, July 26th. Those are $8, and I'll add one more um, additional new free option that we have this year. We've always allowed veterans and military to come in free on Veterans and Military Day at the fair, which falls this year on Sunday, July 31st, but this year we actually extended that, so veterans, active military, and first responders like police and fire can all get in free any day of the Ohio State Fair this year
0: you've also in the past had something different each day for people to get some sort of a discount, even maybe bringing in an old, used, unwinning lottery ticket, things like that. Are you still doing that?
1: Yeah, there's a handful of discount days available. Those are all listed on our website, ohiostatefair.com. For example, one of the days is uh, Thursday, July 28th, we partner with tell and Ronald McDonald House of Central Ohio, where you can bring in different items like Foil or Ziploc bags, trash bags, things that the um, residents of the Ronald McDonald House could benefit from. And then you get a buy one, get one ticket deal. So there's definitely still some discounts and deals available. But the best thing to do is to go and get those advance sale tickets because that's going to be the key.
0: Talking with Alicia Schultz, she's the assistant general manager and marketing and public relations director for the Ohio State Fair. What about the concert schedule? What are the big things to look at this year?
1: Yeah, we have a wonderful concert lineup this year. I'm definitely excited about it. And one of the things we, we work toward every year is really having a, a diverse genre of music lineup. So we always have Christian, classic rock, country, comedy. And so this year we have Nelly, Ice Cube, Foreigner, Willie Nelson, Gabriel Iglesias, um, there's a, a really nice lineup that we have. It's all listed on fair.com You can get ticket ma- tickets at ticketmaster.com State Fair and those tickets do include fair admission when purchased in advance. So, for example, opening day, our concert is Kids Bop. And um, when you get those uh, Kid Bop Kids tickets for $20, they do include fair admission purchased in advance. You just show your ticket or scan your Ticketmaster wallet code at the gates and you get in early to uh, enjoy the fair prior to the show.
0: You did have one major cancellation, Toby Keith, due to health concerns, right?
1: That's right. We were very um, saddened to hear that Toby Keith is battling cancer, but it is the best thing for him to be able to rest and recover uh, this summer rather than being on his summer tour. Um, we were very excited, though, to be able to, in place of that show, offer a free concert that day instead. And so the group that we have coming in is called Generation Radio. That day Thursday, July 28th. And Generation Radio is kind of a super band of sorts. It's got some artists that have played in Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers and Chicago. And as an Ohioan, uh, the name I recognized was Jay DeMarcus of Rascal Flats,
0: mm. who's
1: a part of the band. So it's really nice to have um, a free show and a Columbus native who's going to be on stage as a part of that.
0: Talking with Alicia Schultz from the Ohio State Fair, what about uh, if folks have still any lingering concerns about ride safety or inspections or things like that? What can you tell us about that?
1: Great question. We are incredibly fortunate to have um, an absolutely wonderful ride provider. Tally Amusements, who puts ride safety as their absolute top priority um, and are very well versed and experts in the ride safety industry. Um, Rides, of course, are inspected in conjunction with the Ohio Department of Agriculture Ride Safety Division, who comes out and inspects all of those rides in advance. And as you're aware, have um, had more stringent rules and regulations in the last couple of years regarding ride safety. So Tally Amusements and the Ohio Department of Agriculture. Ride Safety Division, are working together to make rides safe at the Ohio State Fair, and um, we're really excited to to be able to make sure that there are really safe rides and a really good experience for our fairgoers.
0: Okay, and any word on what the new hot fried food is this year? Oh, my gosh, there's a laundry list of
1: new (laughs) hot fried foods. It'll be very interesting to see which are the most popular. We've got about 30 different new foods this year. Um, There's anything from deep-fried olives on a stick to waffle bombs, which are um, a deep-fried chocolate-covered strawberry in waffle batter. And then that same vendor has all sorts of different things that they deep-fry in waffle batter. So there are a ton of different options. We've got some great new award-winning North Carolina barbecue that's coming in. Um, Hickory Tree Barbecue is what that vendor is called. And there are going to be a lemon meringue deviled egg. And, and like you mentioned, there's always something deep-fried or on a stick, too. Uh, one of the things that really struck me as being interesting is a deep-fried queso burger. Hmm. So it's a burger with queso that is deep-fried. And, and the thing I'm really personally curious about, I don't know the answer to yet until we see it, is, you know, is, is the bun also deep-fried or does the <laughs> burger portion get deep-fried and then the bun goes on the outside? So I, I really want to know. I'm, I'm looking forward to finding out on Wednesday.
0: Important questions to know the answer to. Absolutely. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So what about, uh, obviously, we're likely to have some pretty scorching temperatures uh, during part of the fair, Uh, maybe some rain. Are there alternatives, ways to get around that while you're at the fair?
1: That's a great question. We do have many buildings on our ground so that if it is raining, you can pop inside, do some shopping, um, have some youth education, hands-on education, and, and you can have the air conditioning in all of those buildings also. So if it's really hot or rainy, you can go inside. Our youth exploration space on the north side of the grounds, just inside the Cardinal Gate, has some really great options um, for families this year. We're really thrilled to have COSI doing hands on Science every day of the Ohio State Fair. We also have what we're calling a a tiny town in there with the little red and yellow cozy coupe cars that kids can drive around and go in some playhouses and giant board games. So on one of those days where it's just hot and you need to get your family inside and relax in the air conditioning for a few, that's a great option. But as you're also out walking through the grounds, we do have misting fans that are located throughout the grounds as well as some. Um, misting tent areas where we have a a few more fans available so you can kind of cool off really quickly and of course on those hot days um, going down in the shaded area of the natural resources park where you can do fishing or kayaking is always a really great um, you know way to get a little relief from the sun
0: just a couple of minutes to go here with alicia schultz assistant general manager and marketing and public relations director for the ohio state fair So uh, with COVID-19 still around, uh, you know, we've had uh, the bird flu going on with livestock. Uh, Are there any health concerns or precautions that people should take or be uh, aware of this year?
1: Yeah, so people are definitely welcome to wear a mask, um, choose to be about the outdoor areas like we talked about when it's not too hot or rainy. We'll have plenty of hand sanitizer and frequent cleaning And um, we've worked really closely with the Ohio Department of Agriculture on animal safety and continue to have veterinarians on site throughout the fair. And uh, at this point, we do remain hopeful that there will be no reason to see any alterations in the poultry show at this year's fair.
0: Okay. Anything else you'd like to add? We're just really excited to
1: see people coming back to the Ohio State Fair this year. We've got a free mobile app that can help you navigate your way around the fair, tell you all of those different wild uh, deep-fried foods that we talked a little bit about earlier today, have schedules of events, just to help you plan your visit a little bit more. But uh, we, we really look forward to seeing you at the fair.
0: All right. It's awful good to have it back, Alicia.
1: It, uh you can't understand, I'm sure, how happy I feel. <laughs> I have a smile from ear to ear right now, Dave. <laughs>
0: That's right. Alicia Schultz with the Ohio State Fair. Thanks so much for your time. I hope it goes well this year.
1: Thanks. I hope so, too. How do you know if you or a loved one is at risk of problem gambling? By knowing the signs, such as borrowing money, hiding unpaid debts, bragging about wins, or just plain irritability. Sounds familiar? Get Set Before You Bet is Ohio's initiative to help keep gambling safe and responsible for everyone. How does it work? Just visit BeforeYouBet.org to learn more and take the Responsible Gambling Quiz. Together, we can keep gambling safe and responsible in Ohio. This message brought to you by Ohio for Responsible. Gambling.
0: Columbus Perspective is a public affairs presentation of WBNS Radio. The opinions expressed on this program are those of its guests and do not necessarily reflect those of WBNS Radio, its staff, management, or sponsors.
2: This is Doug Ute, Executive Director of the Ohio High School Athletic Association. High school coaches can be the biggest influence on kids having a positive experience in sports. Sports set the foundation for life lessons that remain long after playing days are over.
3: This is Gene Smith. Please join Life Sports at The Ohio State University and the Ohio High School Athletic Association as we partner with the Susan Crown Exchange on its Million Coaches Challenge. Get involved and learn more at go.osu.edu backslash
0: This is Columbus Perspective on the Fan. Courtesy of our sister station, WBNS 10-TV, here's Tracy Townsend from her Sunday morning public affairs program, Face the State. A new edition can be seen this morning at 1130
4: on 10-TV. Good morning, everyone. Thanks so much for joining us here on Face the State. I'm Tracy Townsend. Ohio is taking center stage in the abortion debate. This comes after a 10-year-old from Franklin County traveled to Indiana to get an abortion since she was past six weeks pregnant. The man accused in the case, 27-year-old Gerson Fuentes, admitted to raping the victim at least two times. The detective also confirmed that the victim went to Indianapolis on June 30th to have an abortion. Before Fuentes was arraigned, Ohio Attorney General Dave Yost called the report about the girl's abortion into question. 10TV's Lindsay Mills questioned him about his comments. Do you believe
1: you cast a doubt too early when the investigation hadn't yet wrapped up?
2: Not at all. I was casting doubt upon the single source story in the Indianapolis Star by a known political activist. Um, It just didn't feel right, and when a week and more went by, and even the Washington Post was starting to question the veracity of it. Um, I I saw the same things. I'm glad that we now have uh, a good outcome here with an arrest.
1: Your final comment in that Fox News interview was that you believed the abortion could have been done here in Ohio. Why, Why did you believe that?
2: Well, it may have been able to be. There is an exception in the law, both for the life of the mother and for a medical emergency, which are are, are defined terms. So that's a question of fact, ultimately. And without knowing the identity uh, or the medical history or the condition uh, of the victim, the survivor uh, of this horrible crime, you can't really say for sure. Um, but knowing what I know as a career prosecutor, uh, I think it very likely that one or both of the exceptions in current Ohio law might have applied in this situation. Under
1: the current law, it is up to the provider to determine whether or not those exceptions are at play. That's correct. Um, so would have a doctor had to or, or a provider, would they have had to create or not create um, diagnose this 10 year old with one of the conditions that's listed in the language of the law?
2: Well, understand, there's not just a list of conditions, there's a description uh, of a, a major bodily function being impaired. Um, so, yes, the doctor is the one that makes that determination.
4: We also talked with U.S. Senator Sherrod Brown about this case and the national attention it's putting on our state. Here's what he had to say.
5: I know because Ohio has such extreme language on abortion, no, no exceptions for rape or incest, uh, few protections for the life of the mother, that, um, that we are beginning to lose. Some people who are considering moving to Ohio to practice medicine, maybe to go to college, I'm already hearing stories. People are having second thoughts. Then you have this awful, despicable story where high-ranking, far-right political figures uh, with a political agenda that they mocked, and they mocked this story about the 10-year-old showing no respect and showing um, just a mean-spiritedness, saying it didn't happen. Well, it did happen, Uh, and they owe an apology directly to the family of this 10-year-old as they owe to the whole state. Um, th- this, this, this extreme law that, uh, that no abortions after the sixth week, regardless of, of whether it's rape or incest, few protections for the life of the mother, um, is, is so out of step.
4: After all the controversy, Ohio Attorney General Dave Yost sent a legal explainer of Ohio's heartbeat law. In it, he says there is no gestational time limit, and the statute has three exceptions. One is to prevent the death of the mother. Another is due to a serious risk of the substantial and irreversible impairment of a major bodily function of the pregnant mother, or third, in cases of an ectopic pregnancy. Ohio moved one step closer to a total ban on abortion. Republican state rep Gary Click introduced House Bill 704. That bill would begin the ban at conception. That piece of legislation would include an exception to save the life of the mother, but not an exception for victims of rape or incest. It also has the potential to ban forms of birth control like IUDs. As Ohio's law stands now, abortion is banned after six weeks when a heartbeat can be detected. This week, I talked with the Ohio Democratic Party chair about where reproductive rights stand in our state.
6: Uh, you know, Republicans like Mike Dewine have spent the last 50 years methodically attacking our reproductive rights, and it's culminated in this moment. And now he wants to go as far as he can to rip away rights that belong to a woman, her doctor, and their families. And we know that this is there are too many Ohioans out there who can't afford to have us sit on the sidelines and and give up on this fight—the right for women's health care, the right for uh, women to choose. Uh, their reproductive freedoms is really important. And it's a fight that is not short. It's not easy, but it's more important than ever.
4: Do you feel that um, this could be one of those pivotal issues? I saw um, a story from a former colleague in Las Vegas who was, she was interviewing a woman who'd always voted Republican and is now making this sort of her singular singular voting issue? Is that something you see happening here in our state?
6: We absolutely see it happening here in this state. I think for many women, Roe was decided law. Uh, we never really uh, thought that this could be overturned. And now that it has, and now that we see that Republicans in Ohio are doing everything they can to further restrict women's health care choices, women in Ohio are paying attention. And it's not just women. I have been stopped so many times by men who have daughters, nieces, wives uh, who've lived through really hard medical decisions um, after going through IVF with their families that really see this as a critical um, issue for women, because it is, it is a life and death issue for women. It is an economic issue for families. And we are seeing this really mobilize people off the sidelines in Ohio this year, everything from how they're going to vote to what action they're going to take. We did a, a rally at the state house the Sunday after the decision came down from the Supreme court. Uh, our final crowd estimates were over 5,000 people that got the, we got the word out in less than uh, 48 hours. Uh, But more importantly, we had over 3,100 people sign up to take action, to support pro-choice candidates in their neighborhoods and their communities. And so the the reverberations of this decision, and in particular, the extremism that Ohio Republicans have on this issue is really coming to uh, the center of the work we're doing around mobilizing our
4: activists, but also talking to voters. Planned Parenthood of Greater Ohio has endorsed Tim Ryan for U.S. Senate. He talked on a press call about what he thinks needs to happen since the overturn of Roe v. Wade.
7: In the, in the short term, we have to do two things. We have to protect women's privacy. There is no way that we can allow these governments and some of these states to start monitoring women and their, their health care data or health tracking apps that they may have been using now for years. Uh, that data needs to be protected. And I don't think any company should be punished if they are saying that they will cover their their uh, employees' health care across state lines and pay for travel and these other things. I think, again, talk about infringement on free markets and on a, bu- a business's decision. These are the people who want to get government out of the, the businesses uh, and how they operate. And now they're going to jump in with fines and punishment if a certain company wants to provide certain kinds of health care to their their employees again that's that's so extreme it's not even funny uh and you put that all together uh and it, it it's a pretty scary time now for women in the state of ohio
4: tim Ryan is running against jd vance for ohio's u.s senate seat face the state did ask J.D. Vance, for an interview to talk about the abortion debate happening in our state right now. We were told he didn't have time in his schedule, but his campaign arranged an interview with the anti-abortion group Ohio Right to Life. We asked him about the national attention the abortion case in our state involving the 10-year-old girl is getting. Here's what he had to say. In these terrible circumstances, the solution can never be to kill an innocent Human life.
7: And unfortunately, that's where the president of the United States even jumped to when it came to this particular circumstance. And it's not just, they're not just making it about the 10 year old girl, they're using this one particular circumstance to justify the over 90% of elective abortions that are taking place in this nation. Um, So our focus, again, should be on healing for this little girl. It should be on getting her the help and assistance that she needs as as a society and as a state and as a country. But unfortunately, it's being used to justify abortion through all nine months of pregnancy. And I don't think that's right.
4: The new nationwide nine eight eight mental health hotline is in the books. We're going to take a look at the impact of this change. Plus, an email from AEP says crews weren't ready ahead of the storm that led to those massive power outages. You will hear what the company president says when we ask him about the exchange.
2: Thanks for listening.
1: When kids need medical care, they will often face stressful and life-changing experiences. They miss out on the things that make being a kid fun. Starlight Children's Foundation has delivered happiness to 17 million seriously ill kids and their families at more than 800 children's hospitals and healthcare facilities. Our programs entertain and inspire hospitalized kids. Learn more at starlight.org. That's starlight.org.
0: This is Columbus Perspective on the Fan. Back to Tracy Townsend, courtesy of 10TV.
4: 988, the new number to call to support yourself or perhaps a loved one experiencing a suicidal crisis, mental health, or addiction-related distress. Ohio has made the transition to the new nationwide 988 Suicide and Crisis Lifeline. Congress designated the new 988 dialing code to operate through the existing National Suicide Prevention Lifeline and its network of more than 200 locally operated and funded crisis centers across the country. I talked with board-certified clinical psychologist Dr. Craig Bryan from The Ohio State University College of Medicine who told me the move to three digits will have a meaningful impact.
8: Yeah, I think the the biggest difference that it's likely to make is that it's going to, um, I think, increase accessibility to uh, the crisis hotline. And and I say that because, of course, a three-digit number that's very easy to remember, I think, is going to, to have a meaningful impact. Many of us who have been working in the suicide prevention community for a long time know that that you know the existing number, the this long, really arduous, hard to remember number, mm-hmm. um, is not always easy for people to remember, especially when they're in
4: crisis. I, I realize it's different, probably for every person who calls. But can you give us an idea of what happens when somebody decides um, to to dial, whether it be the seven digits or these the new three digits?
8: Yeah. So um, the the number is basically you know, the call is routed to a, a centralized location, and then based upon Um, where a person is located, um, that centralized hub will then try to connect um, that caller with, with a call center in their geographic region. And so depending on you know, what state or what city you're calling from, ideally, you'll be talking to somebody who's fairly close by uh, geographically. Um, if those lines are full, um, then in essence, they just kind of keep rerouting to find the closest uh, next available counselor. Um, someone is going to pick up. They're going to identify themselves, introduce themselves, and in essence, they're going going to say what can I do to help you today and at that point um, the caller can express whatever is on their mind um, share whatever is happening within their lives and that um, that person at the call center is going to provide some counseling some support um, and do what they can to perhaps help the caller to solve the problem.
4: Ohioans in all 88 counties can call text or chat for free 24 7 Crisis support. The existing 10 digit National Suicide Prevention Lifeline launched in 2005, and it's going to remain active following the transition to 988. AEP went before the Public Utilities Commission of Ohio to explain its response to that massive power outage last month. Meantime, 10TV obtained internal emails from the PUCO to AEP. The commission warned the company a day before about the pending storm. The PUCO asked if AEP had pre-positioned restoration assets, i.e. field crews. An AEP employee responded it had not. 10-TV News reporter Kevin Landers took that email to the AEP president and CEO for reaction.
5: This is an internal email that we got. Um, This is dated June 13th, 1140 a.m., and this comes from... Paul De Silva from the PUCO, who's asking AEP, this looks like to be some pending storm activity possibly coming our way. Could you please check and see if it means AEP has prepositioned any restoration assets? AEP responds, AEP Ohio did not have prepositioned restoration assets. Currently, approximately 160,000 customers out. So a day before the storm hits, PUCO is warning you there's a storm coming. Do you have assets? And AEP's response is, we don't.
0: Yeah, seeing that for the first time, I'll just tell you what I know. Um, we do pre stage. Uh, when we see major events come through, we do pre stage. This one, um, you know, it. it, it just like any thunderstorm, you can see you know, sometimes they break up, sometimes they don't. Um, when you pre-stage resources, your tying up resources costs customers money too. So we try to balance that. Um, and I don't, know, I don't know to the extent if we pre stage for this event, um, but we did act quickly.
4: AEP admitted that a majority of the power outages were from a forced outage, not the storm. The company said it had just five minutes to act when the electrical grid became overloaded because of high demand, high heat, and storm damage. They said if not for that, the result would have been catastrophic with more people out of power for longer periods. A major I-70 update is complete, and this means the drive from Columbus to Dayton should now be smoother and faster. It took four years to add a third lane in each direction of I-70. Last week, ODOT celebrated the completion of that final section in Springfield between U.S. Route 68 and State Route 72.
2: You know, there's a lot of things that make Ohio very strong and, and a state, a state that's really looking to the future. Uh, but one of the things that makes us strong is our infrastructure uh, and, our, and our highways. One of the advantages that we have in Ohio, and, and I hear this time and time again as I talk to CEOs and try to get them to bring more businesses to Ohio, one of the things that they recognize is our location. Uh, within a day's drive of right here, we've got 60 percent of the population of the United States. We've got 60 percent of the population of Canada. Um, I don't have to tell you all about the interstates that cross the cross Ohio. Uh, so that is a competitive advantage. But it's only a competitive
4: advantage uh, if we keep our roads up. The $50 million project also replaced the existing pavement and seven bridges along the route. Be safe out there. An Ohio man's testimony on January 6th and what he did afterward made headlines. You'll hear why he says he stormed the Capitol on that day and what he says could have prevented the situation from escalating. Matthew. Huh? Oh,
8: sorry. It's
9: okay. I just need you to listen to me.
8: I know that a lot of times, Mom, it might not seem like I'm listening to you, but I am. I hear you, and what you say really does matter to me.
1: I mean, let's be honest, no kid likes rules, but I get why we have them. I hear you, and I know it's because you care. All the talks we've had over the years, including what you've told me about not using alcohol and other drugs, they stick with me. And believe it or not, they really do make a difference,
8: especially at times that matter most.
4: Hey, want a drink?
8: No thanks, I'm good. So thank you, Dad. For talking and preparing me for what's ahead. Thanks, Mom, for never giving up and always being my biggest fan.
1: Thank you for letting me know what you expect
10: so I can try to meet your expectations.
6: Thank you for talking.
8: For
2: more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov.
0: This is Columbus Perspective on the Fan. Back to Tracy Townsend, courtesy of 10TV.
4: An Ohio man took center stage during the January 6th hearing on Capitol Hill. Stephen Ayers, who is from our state, pleaded guilty to disorderly conduct at the Capitol, and he testified. He talked about what motivated him to go to Washington, D.C. that day.
3: Mr. Ayers, there were many people in the crowd that day, uh, January 6th, including you, who were not part of an extremist group. I'd like to start by having you tell the American people a little bit about yourself. Can you tell us about your life before January 6th?
9: Yeah, um, basically nothing but a a family man and a working man. Um, Worked at the company, um, a cabinet company up in Northeast Ohio for going on 20 years. Um, You know, family's my life. You know, I was a supervisor there, so that, that took up a lot of my other you know, a lot of my free time. Um, Other than that, I'm with my family, camping, playing basketball, playing games with my son.
3: Just what any ordinary American citizen, family man would do.
9: Yep, exactly.
3: So this committee has reviewed thousands of hours of surveillance footage from January 6th. During this review, we identified you entering the Capitol as we see in this video, Mr. Ayers, why did you decide to come to Washington on January 6th?
9: For me, for me personally, you know, uh, I was, you know, pretty hardcore into the social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I followed, you know, president Trump, you know, on all the websites, you know, um, he basically put out, you know, come to stop the steal rally, you know, and I felt like I needed to be down here.
3: So so you basically learned about the rally on social media and at some point made a decision to come to Washington.
9: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I had some friends I found out were coming down. And I just hopped, you know, hopped on with them right at the tail end when I found out and came down here with them.
1: Mr. Ayers, when you entered the Capitol uh, last year, did you believe that the election
0: had been stolen?
9: At that time, yeah. You know, everything that I was, I was seeing online, um, I definitely believed that that's exactly what that was the case.
1: And when uh, you heard from President Trump that the election was stolen, how did that make you feel?
9: Oh, I was, you know, I was very upset Um, as were most of his supporters. um, You know, that's basically what got me to come down here.
1: And do you still believe the election was stolen?
9: Not so much now. Um, I got away from all the social media um, when January 6th happened, uh, basically deleted it all. You know, I started doing my own research and everything. And for me, for me, for something like that to be that, to actually for that to actually take place it'd be it's too big, you know. there be there's no way you can keep something like that quiet, as big as something like that, you know, with all the you know, all the lawsuits being shot down one after another. That that was mainly what convinced me.
1: Mr. Ayers, you were in that crowd at the rally and then the crowd that marched to the Capitol. When you arrived on the
3: ellipse that morning, were you planning on going to the Capitol?
9: No, we didn't actually plan to go down there. Um, you know, we went basically to see the Stop the Steal rally and that was it.
1: So why'd you decide to march to the Capitol?
9: Um, well, basically, uh, you know, the president, you know, got everybody riled up, told everybody to head on down. So we basically were just following what when he said.
1: We know that you illegally entered the Capitol that afternoon and then left the Capitol area later on.
3: What, what made you decide to leave?
9: um basically when president trump put his tweet out we literally left right after that come out um, you know to me if he would have done that earlier in the day 1 30, I, I you know you know we wouldn't be in this maybe we wouldn't be in this bad of a situation
4: after the hearing Ayers apologized to two police officers who defended the capitol against the insurrectionists you know. The country's new inflation report is out, and it shows the problem is only getting worse. June's numbers show inflation rose more than 9 percent, the highest yearly jump in more than 40 years. The price of gas is up almost 60 percent from June of 2021. Rent went up nearly 6 percent in that same time frame, and food prices have increased more than 10 percent. The group of Republican lawmakers, including Ohio Senator Rob Portman, talked about the problem. A lot of
0: lower-middle-income folks in Ohio are suffering the worst, some of whom have long commutes. I'm hearing from them. I was home over the break uh, to talk about other issues, but pretty much everybody got around to inflation, uh, no matter what the other topic was that we talked
2: about. And uh, this is something that, uh, unfortunately, is going to get worse, not
4: better, unless we change policies. The Federal Reserve is expected to once again raise interest rates later this month, but it may not impact prices until the fall. We thank you all for being here with us today on Face the State. Have a great week.
0: That's again Tracy Townsend, courtesy of our sister station, WBNS 10 TV. From their Sunday morning public affairs program, Face the State, a new edition can be seen this morning at 1130 on 10 TV.
4: The Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council present the story of Tom
7: and Levi.
9: Tom is the smartest man I know. He's been a professor at two major universities, been a teacher for over 40 years. One day, he told me that he was having um, problems in his classes. I think one of the students had asked the question and he didn't remember the answer. And I also noticed that he was letting his class out earlier than they were supposed to let out. And he was telling them that he was doing it as a favor to them. But I think in reality, he just wanted to get out of there. Um, I was really starting to worry because I saw something was wrong.
3: Levi and I talked about how it would change our lives, but he was there beside me, and my love for him was just immense.
4: When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. Visit alz.org our ourstories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council.
7: The strength of our country hasn't just been won on the battlefield. It's one every day in our communities when we come together in our toughest times. For over 100 years, the American Legion has been strengthening communities across our nation by providing life-saving help and support to our veterans and neighbors during times like we're facing today. We are the American Legion, Veterans Strengthening America. To learn how you can help, visit legion.org.
1: We don't want you on our team. You're too slow and fat
2: this is weight bias
3: I'm worried about your weight don't you care what other
4: people think millions who live and are affected by obesity face weight bias every day
3: you're not the right fit for this job
4: unfair judgment by others
1: just stop eating so much and exercise some you lose all this
4: weight these people often blame themselves it's just me nobody likes me
8: I do exercise and eat right. And I talk to my doctor. Weight bias hurts. Everyone deserves to be treated with dignity and respect. Your words and actions matter.
1: Let's stop weight bias.
8: Let's work together.
4: Be part of the solution. Go to StopWeightBias.com and learn more. A public service message from Obesity Action Coalition.
0: This is Columbus Perspective on the Fan. Hi, this is Dave James, and on the phone with me is Daniela Winchell, who is the executive director of the Ohio Wine Producers Association and OhioWines.org, and she's also the chair of the Vintage Ohio Wine Festival, which is coming up on August 5th and 6th. How are you?
10: Oh, I'm good, David. Thank you very much, Dave. Thank you.
0: Thanks for talking to us. Uh, First, tell us uh, what the Ohio Wine Producers Association is.
10: Well, we're the trade association that represents the wineries. Um, Our goal is to drive traffic to winery stores so people experience firsthand um, all that's going on in our 375 wineries. And then secondly, when the public is not able or interested in driving out to the country to visit the wineries, we try and bring the winery uh, experience into communities. And that's what Vintage
3: Ohio is all about.
0: And you have been doing this for a very long time, and I have to mention that A publication called Wine Industry Advisor named you one of the most inspiring people nationwide for promoting wine. Oh, thank you
10: very much. It's been very validating. Um, When I left for college, my dad said, find a job you love, you'll never go to work. And frankly, it's been almost 40 years that I've worked for these guys. Vintage Ohio, year 27, and it's more fun than it ever was in the early days.
0: It's uh, fantastic. And it's so interesting, too, because wine really just wasn't that big a deal when you started all this, and now it's huge. No, it's, we you know we
10: sort of go back each year and, and look at the prior year or years. And I got an email the other day from a young woman from actually um, Virginia who helped us get this thing started. Twenty well, we started 29 years ago because we planned it for two years. And she showed me a picture of a mug. She said, "I still have this thing. How long have we known each other?" <laughs> um, so it's you know, in the idea was at the beginning when we were only growing hybrids, when we we're mostly doing natives, when we were, mostly doing natives when we we're mostly doing sweet wines that we wanted to let the world know that we existed. Vinita Ohio has morphed. Um, Now we're using it as a tool not only to showcase the great wines we've been making over the years, but to illustrate that we're making new and different wines. Uh, You know, Pinot Noir didn't exist in Ohio. Chardonnay barely. Only one or two winers were making it. Uh, Riesling was not the star that it has become. So we're growing these amazing viniferos and we're growing But we're still making these wonderful... um, fruity sweet wines that that have served as a foundation for our industry well really since since the 50s
0: that's great and how many wineries are there in ohio now
10: as of a couple of weeks ago there are 375 but uh when we spoke to the folks in liquor control recently they told us there are as many as 50 additional um, applications pending so we are in force um the Department of Agriculture is going to be doing an economic impact study, and I am guessing that we will be in the billions of dollars in terms of contributions to the overall economy in Ohio. And most interesting, although we have a number of wonderful urban wineries that are in, in downtown communities, the bulk of the wineries are in rural areas, and we are truly economic development where there is energy uh, surrounding the wineries that, that generates restaurants and uh transportation tours and beds and breakfasts, and actually even, in some cases, new hotels. So um, we really, really uh, are proud that we're supporting rural economic development as well as just the wine industry itself.
0: That's great. Now, it's been uh, a hot summer, sometimes very dry, and I'm guessing uh, in general that that's good for grapes. Right. Typically, grapes like dry feet, um, so,
10: and they have a very long taproot, so this dryness has not necessarily impacted all of us. We do need some rain periodically, but there seems to be enough. The crop reports from the growers seem to be that the vines are thriving, and um, we'll need a little bit of rain, but then come September, they can shut the spigots off because we like a dry fall to finish the season off.
0: That's terrific. Uh, now, Vintage Ohio Wine Festival, this is coming up in Kirtland, which is, I guess, about 20 miles northeast of Cleveland.
10: Right. It's in the community of Kirtland, and it's an easy drive from downtown, and it's also an easy drive from lots and lots of wineries in, in the northeast and, and north central areas.
0: And so tell us about the festival. What goes on there?
10: Well, Um, First of all, the wineries are obviously the showcase. Um, And this year we have a whole bunch of new wineries coming. When we started Vintage, as I said, we were trying to, there were 40 wineries in the state, and we were trying to tell the world that we existed. And now we're trying to tell the world that we have grown beyond just the original varieties into some amazing vinifera, uh, some lovely fruit wines, some great sweet wines, some new hybrids, discovering new hybrids that we can grow well. So it's a showcase primarily for those who are looking to tell the world, hey, here we are. Um, So there are 19 wineries coming and um, there's a plethora of, of um, varieties. Um, and then we've got, at, we had beer a couple of years ago, several of the wineries are producing beer, they've gotten into the craft beverage business, so some of those are coming along, and we've got a couple of stages of music, lots of live entertainment, um, there was some discussion about maybe adding um, some recorded entertainment, everybody said, no, we want live, so the bands are great. Um, and there, we have a cooking demonstration, a uh, gal named Lisa Delgado, who's a star chef, she's been on a number of TV shows, and um, This year we added some other things. Um, We've added some wine appreciation sort of a passive way. People like to learn about wine, but not be lectured about wine. So we've created a series of a dozen little videos. So there's uh, six to eight minute videos we're going to show throughout the the program that you can learn how to open a bottle of wine or how to taste. And then uh, winemaking is is an interesting hobby for folks. So we brought an expert from Avon Lake, a guy named Joe Hoover, who is an amazing home winemaker. He's going to be demonstrating home winemaking and of course, the brew guys said, but well, wait, we have to do that too. So we've got the fellow from Better Beverage talking about home brewing. And then we've got a gal um, named Cindy Wolf from the Kent State program um, who's a, a certified wine expert. And she's going to dig into a little deeper to those folks who want a little, to learn a little bit more about the nuances of color and taste and variety and how they grow. And so Cindy's will be a little more in-depth, and the videos are going to be just fun things to learn a little bit and become more comfortable.
0: This is, again, Vintage Ohio Wine Festival, uh, August 5th and 6th, Friday and Saturday. Uh, It's in Lake County in Kirtland at the Lake Metro Parks Farm Park. And uh, is this kid friendly at all? It is
10: kid friendly. This is primarily an adult event, but Farm Park has a, all kinds of kids activities. Um, they have uh, they, they'll do milking cows and they'll make ice cream, and they have a, a, a sheep dog that separates the cows. And all the uh, exhibits are open. Uh, the horse barns and the llama barns and all of those things are available. But it is primarily an adult. Uh, kid friendly people want to bring their children, but it is primarily an adult event.
0: Okay, and then you're also going to do another one later this year in Bowling Green
10: we are um, we are taking this on the road actually we launched one three years ago in Springfield Ohio called Vintage Ohio South and we're going to Bowling Green in October and we're calling this the Vino Festival that there's in Northwest Ohio so it'll be an indoor event because obviously you know weather is a little bit unpredictable in the fall, Uh, but it'll be a first time to share a lot of the wines and wineries with that market um, in northwest Ohio. We're excited. The the folks at Bowling Green Chamber have been our partners in this, and so there'll be an opportunity to come to Vintage uh, in August, and then if that doesn't work with family vacations and football practice and all of those things that happen before school starts, we'll join everybody uh, in October, in October 8th in Bowling Green.
0: Talking with Daniela Winchell. She is the executive director of the Ohio Wine Producers Association. I talked to you last fall, and there was concern about the spotted lanternfly. What's going on with that these days? Well,
10: everybody is, is very, very wary of it. It can be significant in terms of your damage, um, but we need to give a shout-out to the researchers at Penn State who have been leading the national charge, because this is not just an Ohio problem. It's national. Um, these bugs travel uh, on railroad cars and on campers and, and along the interstate highways. They attach themselves. Um, but we've developed not only some uh, techniques for control now, but we have a, a whole campaign of having all of these spotters. Anybody um, who is interested in a wine business who perhaps um, has something called a tree of heaven, where they like to um, uh, nest and, and replicate, everyone is watching it real closely. So we think, although there are a couple of outbreaks, um, they're going to be manageable because, again, the researchers from Penn State and Ohio State have looked at techniques to control them. So hopefully we will not be devastated. West, Eastern Pennsylvania had some terrible damage, and we were all in a bit of a panic. but those land-grant universities figure
0: things out for us that's great Uh, what about the quality of ohio wine these days does it win awards in any of the national competitions
10: you know i can you know there's a story about somebody sitting on a soda fountain being an overnight success as a movie star um In Ohio Wines, we've been doing uh, entering competitions for five or six or maybe ten years seriously on the national level. And when we'd win something really special, it became headlines. And now, when we don't win something special, everybody is incredibly disappointed. Um, This overnight success, which has taken us ten years, has generated hundreds of national medals. Um, We took some best to show in San Francisco the last couple of years. Uh, which is the oldest competition we've taken them into florida we've taken them um, in the, at the dallas morning news competition um, at the uh, eastern uh, winery exposition we've taken them uh, the pacific rim so our wineries show spectacularly we have in, in price and in style um, we had a Chardonnay that took best of class last year in the San Francisco competition, which is the toughest category um, out there. So we are incredibly pleased with what we're able to do. But we're also producing a lot of hybrid wines in um, some places in the state you can't grow, Chardonnay or Riesling or Cab. Um, So we've got some new varieties again, thanks to Ohio State and those other land grant universities. We're growing some grapes that are amazing in style, lovely, well-made, and our winemakers are um, with the Kent State program, the Enology program, teaching our guys how to make better wines all the time. Um, We can pretty much stand up on our own. Um, I carry our wines every year to California, to the national group tastings. And I always have long lines. What do you mean, Ohio Gerbertsdermeter? I can't believe you do this. This is really from Ohio? This is a Chardonnay from Ohio? Um, So we are extremely pleased with the quality of what we're doing.
0: And I guess uh, dessert wine has come a long way in recent years.
10: It has, and a couple of levels. um, Certainly our ice wines. Ice wines are made from grapes frozen on the vine, and there are very specific uh, conditions that have to occur before the grapes can be picked and then harvested. Um, And so I think Ferrante and Debonay, two years back to back, last year and the year before, won Best of Show in San Francisco for a dessert wine for their ice wines. But we're also producing support wines um, with um, some of the native varieties that are interesting, well done, well made, and winning medals. So dessert wines are fun. And in some cases, the wine can be a complement to, de- to dessert. And In some cases, especially the ice wine is a dessert and a glass in itself.
0: It's outstanding. You mentioned there are hundreds of wineries around Ohio. But when I think of them, I still think, you know, your office is up in uh, Geneva, up in Ashtabula County. And you can, there are areas up there where you can drive and see the lake on one side and vineyards on the other. And also the Lake Erie Islands, those settings are just uh, classic, it seems like. Well, the
10: thing is, Lake Erie is the reason that many of the grapes up here are grown that are vinifera. Uh, the lake provides a general temperature moderation, an extended fall and, during harvest season and a delayed bud break in the spring. And then the river valleys, like the Vermilion Valley, like the Grand River Valley, like the Conneaut Creek, um, produce air and water drainage. And then, are again... Back to land grant support. Our universities have taught us how to amend the circumstances by adding every row tiling, grapes like dry feet, by adding wind machines that control not only spring frost, but um, create some temperature inversions so we can, in the winter, um, uh, raise the temperature of vineyard floors five or six degrees. Um, so we're learning how to better grow grapes. And then working with the nurseries, uh, helping us identify the clones and the varieties that match each individual microclimate. So it's, it's an amazing industry. It is. There's never enough uh, time to learn all that you need to Know to be proficient about this business. It is just incredibly uh, for a curious person. It is the provides the nth degree of of, of interest.
0: It's interesting because I remember a few years ago, and I'm, we're not going to get into this this time. But I, we we talked about how some people might find a really cheap wine as one of their favorites, and in the wine industry, a lot of people, and including you have taken the sort of attitude where, you know, drink what you like and the industry's trying not to be this too highbrow of an industry, you know, where it just kind of discounts a lot of stuff.
10: We say this all the time, the best wine is the one you most enjoy. If you like to drink white wine with steak, go ahead. (laughs) If you want want a giant uh, complex red and you want a piece of chocolate with it, more power to you. Um, Wine is, you know, there's a more than a thousand taste buds on a typical tongue. And in addition to that, people with um, sensitive skin tend to have more taste buds, so they naturally uh, don't need uh, the stimulation of a very big tart uh, tannic wine to make things taste good. Um, some people have fewer taste buds on their tongue, Some people have been smoking cigars their whole lives so they killed a bunch of those taste buds (laughs) so they need the big red wines to to stimulate the taste buds to make things interesting so each of us has a different set of physiological approaches to what make wine taste good Um, some of us change over the years because by experience by some tastings by um, learning to enjoy a variety of things Um, i have a friend named tim honey he has a book called why you drink the wine you love and um, you need to love what you, you need to enjoy what you drink not be forced to say i have to have a dry wine you know and, and, and not have people look down on you because you like a sweet wine if it's good enjoy it
0: that's great again talking with Yello winchell with the ohio wine producers association tell us uh, again in a nutshell about the vintage ohio wine festival <laughs>
10: Vintage Ohio is the premier wine festival in the state. We're going into our 27th year. We'll have 19 wineries there this year. It's at the beautiful Lake Farm Park. Um, big oak trees, puffy white clouds, beautiful blue skies. It sits on a knoll on a ridge, so the Lake Erie breezes come all the way from Lake Erie up to the farm park. It's a, it's a wonderful event. Um, pretty tables, um, relaxing environment. Uh, folks spend almost the whole day with us. The average man has visited Vintage Ohio. spends about six and a half hours. They'll eat a couple of meals. They'll sip a little. They'll shop a little. Um, they'll relax a little. They'll enjoy some music and perhaps take some wine home with them.
0: Excellent. That's uh, Friday and Saturday, August 5th and 6th. Find out more at visitvintageohio.com or also at ohiowines.org. Absolutely. Anything else you'd like to add?
10: No, just an appreciation. You know, the Columbus Market has been very, very interesting. Um, it has, there are a number of wineries in the central part of the state, but the majority of them are adjacent to water. So um, we very, very much enjoyed uh, seeing all of the traffic that comes from that central Ohio market to explore those wineries within an hour's drive. of. And sometimes they, they come all the way up to Geneva or all the way up to the islands a couple of hours away for a real winery escape.
0: It's great. Uh, Daniela, thanks so much for the information and good luck with the festival.
10: Oh, Dave, thank you so much. Have a wonderful day.
0: This has been Columbus Perspective, a weekly public affairs presentation of The Fan, heard each Sunday morning at 6 on WBNS-AM, that's 1460 ESPN Columbus, and Sunday morning at 7 on WBNS-FM. Sports Radio 97.1 The Fan. Join us again next Sunday for Columbus Perspective.